The stakes are high, and so am I. It's free thrall. <laughs> Your old brother, Lone Star GM, calling into your show there, man. And uh, I just gotta say, I'm loving the Time Bandit stuff from Terry Gilliam. And uh, it got me thinking about the Pythons, you know, and Pythons. And I, you know, I, it's British, but it's okay. It's okay, and I, I really, I, I, I think it's, it's good comedy. It's good comedy. And there, there's a lot of... There's a lot of good stuff in there. It's, a, it's all different walks of life. They just show all different walks of life in the Pythons. So, you know, it, 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 it even appeals to some to just a Texas boy. So, you know, they got that they, they got that precision drilling bit. <laughs> they precision the military. You know, you got the military humor, the precision drilling. I'll scratch your eyes out. <laughs> it's funny stuff, man. And they got the the guy, the fella gets his wall stolen. And uh, got got your water stolen, and, and uh, he goes to go to the police officer. It's, it's got twist in. This fits funny stuff. <laughs> it's funny stuff. And uh, you know they got uh that the game show blackmail, blackmail, and they them flashing up them racy photos, and you wonder what you see for paying them photos up, but you never gonna know. That's kind of the it's kind of the allure there. <laughs> so you never gonna know what's in them photos. And I uh, you know the. Uh, the Hungarian phrase book, man, linguistic humor, that's funny stuff. And, and you know, things that guy says, man, coming out of his mouth. And then, and then you got a little, little feller sitting there playing the organ and he's all naked. And that's just that's good stuff, man. But I, I will say this. I, I did take some issue with Life of Brian. Life of Brian, because apart from one very artistically and beautifully filmed scene... With him stepping out under the window in the in the alleyway, which I, I mean that's just a beautiful scene. I, there's no, I mean that's Graham Chapman's a man's man. He is a man's man, so man, you can get worked up over that. But uh, um, apart from that one good scene, you don't you don't want to mess around with with uh, making fun of our Lord and Savior. So you know they 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 should have stayed away from that. But you know Graham man, Graham Chapman, I'm I'm working act. So anyway. Love what you're doing, and uh, it's Lone Star Jam. Just uh, saying, I love you, brother, and keep rolling them dice. Or, you know, in your case, not rolling them dice, whatever. I have to say, it is a signal honor to receive a message, a personal message, from the one, the only, Lone Star. And with all those wonderful Python references, I mean, what you... You captured the whole thing there. All I got, I don't know how many episodes, but you picked out all the highlights, got them into three messages. Man, I need never watch a Python episode or movie again. So thank you so much for that. Take care. Take it away, TJ. Slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany And they complained about time too, about not playing D&D It was free for all, and I heard him say, keep off my borderlands But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable M-M-M's.
big thanks to TJ of Melodorous Miasma for recording that intro there. He retooled it from uh, the one he'd done in his show to make it a bit more fitting as a theme. I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I did get in touch with him after hearing Day's theme. That's great too. But uh, I just felt I'd be a fool not to reach out and ask if I could use my one. Yeah, and he uh, kindly offered to uh, re-record it with some new lyrics. So uh, thank you so much for that, TJ. And speaking of Mr Aldridge, here's the man himself. Nice episode there, Spencer. I've got to be honest, I never saw what the fuss was about Time Bandits, but it's been a few years since I've seen it, so maybe I will hunt it down and see if I can... Yeah, re reconsider. Loving your little Heidegger reference there. Uh, catch you soon. Oh, Dave, there's always one, isn't there? Honestly, you're under no obligation to, uh, you know, if we all like the same movies, it'd be a very boring world, wouldn't it? But I guess it might be the circumstances in which you saw it. Certainly if somebody came to it expecting a Python film, I think there might be very disappointed i kind of i watched it when i was probably 11 12 and it just sort of stuck with me it struck a note and um yeah i've kind of loved it ever since but then maybe i had a inkling that you might not appreciate it which is why i put the little high digger reference in there especially for you dave i <laughs> take care mate Hi Spencer, it's John calling from Red Dice Diaries. Just been listening to and greatly enjoying your episode where you talk about time bandits. Now, the bit that made me laugh during the episode was when you mentioned people having problems with Steampunk as a label because it often doesn't represent, you know, what what the term originally meant. Now, I have a bit of an issue with the whole like, punk appellation anyway, certainly with relation to RPGs because it seems to get slapped on absolutely anything. Steampunk, diesel punk, art punk. And I'm sure if I spent five minutes on the internet, I could find at least a dozen others. And half the time, I don't even see what's remotely punk about them. So that always makes me both cringe and sort of sigh and die a little inside. But thank you very much for the episode, dude. Really enjoyed it and loved hearing about Time Bandits. Take care. See you soon. Hey John, it's really great to hear from you. Um, I'm a big fan of the Red Dice Diaries, and uh, but I just I haven't um, felt that I've had much to contribute uh, to discussions thus far. Um, but I'm really glad that you picked up on what I was attempting to say about the adding the punk label to things. Um, uh, yes, because on listening back to the episode, I don't think that came across very well at all. So I'm glad you were able to pick that up. Um, like I say, great to hear from you. And hopefully I'll have something to contribute to your show soon. OK, take care, John. Hey, man, it's Joe again. I just want to tell you that was another great episode and that I 100% agree with you. Uh, I totally feel that. While happiness is super important, it is by far not the only important emotion, nor is it the most important emotion. We live in a society, especially here 
uh, in America where we think that feeling sad or feeling bad is wrong. Uh, the moment someone feels sad, they'll go and hop on some medication and call it good. Um, and that just robs us of what it means to be human. Sadness is part of life, and you can't really be truly happy unless you've been truly sad. Peace out. Hey, Joe, I just wanted to say thank you for a wonderful, heartfelt message. Um, you really captured what I was trying to say uh, in just under a minute. And I don't even think I used the word happiness while I was talking there. So I'm glad that uh, that came across, that that's what I was actually getting at. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope you're doing all right. Take care. Tell you what, Spencer, mate, I've got to take my hat off to you. That uh, pipe dreams, man. Whenever uh, I get the hump or somebody's getting up my snout, I'm just going to count to ten, go off and listen to your recording of pipe dreams, and uh, I think that's awesome. That will stop me from jumping on my soapbox and ranting and raving because there's no way... There's no way I could sum it up in the same way as you've managed to sum it up there, man. Awesome source. And listen, I thought you might appreciate a bit of music in case you was wondering what that's all about. Uh, I've added it for a bit of spice, just for the crack. Anyway, hope this finds you well, and I'll catch you later. Well, that's a bit pony, mate. It sounds like the music hasn't come out on my message, so oh, that ain't going to make a lot of sense. Hey Colin, uh, really nice to hear that um, Pipe Dream is having that calming effect on you. Um, it's funny, well, I mean, I, I, I was very pleased with it when I <laughs> put that together. It's one of those things that I just, I was, I think I, it was one morning I just woke up, I was thinking about Sword Dream and the term Pipe Dream popped into my head and it just kind of wrote itself. And it's so nice to have a platform like this to put uh, that kind of uh, thing out on. Um, it, at least it spares my wife the eternal torment of having to listen to my uh, wacky ideas. Um, yeah, so uh, glad you're enjoying it. Take care. I'll speak soon. Hey, Spencer, good podcast. You know what? Acceptance is so important and and i agree i can't go where i want to go if i don't know where i am now and that's a huge jumping point and a wonderful thing and sometimes things are rough and sometimes things aren't but accepting it and dealing with it and moving on oh the rewards are great thanks for a wonderful episode whisk out the effervescent happy whisk there thank you so much for your message and uh, all those messages, especially when I put out kind of one of those more serious episodes. Um, I really appreciate the feedback and it reminds me that I don't have to uh, be goofing off all the time. Anyway, I'll just go through uh, those who contacted me. So we started off with, uh, you all know him, you all love him, Melodus Miasma. Then Dave Aldridge with uh, Deeper Centile. Always gets my uh, cognitive juices flowing. And uh, John Allen, 
large there from the Red Dice Diaries. Really pleased to get a message from you, John. I've yet to contact your show. And as I said, you know, um, I do love the show, uh, but I don't feel that I've had uh, much to contribute um, being uh, kind of out of the loop somewhat. Then Joe from Will or Woe. Great to hear from you, as always, Joe. And, uh, you know, no pressure to do anything with your uh, with your anchor channel. But, uh, I don't know, it would be nice to hear something there, maybe, popping up in the future. And then, obviously, the wonderful Colin Spike Pit Green having issues with the anchor out there. Obviously, trying to... Uh, a nice musical bed on for me but that not coming together as uh, you know all us anchorites well know this thing really does what we want uh, and yet it gives us so much so it's hard to complain isn't it this one's a little bit of a, a kind of an annotated ramble um, hang on can you verbally annotate I'm not sure uh, that's what I mean at all. It's a, a, a commentary, a rambling commentary. And uh, if that bores you, skip to the end where I'll give myself a little uh, random table challenge. Get a bit of random table action in there. You know, I feel like I'm missing out. So off we go. Hello, my name's Spencer, aka Free Thrawn, and you're listening to Keep Off the Borderlands, a podcast about not playing RPGs. Episode G. That's a nine, not a G. I'm sorry? That's a nine, not a G. Oh, I do apologise. Episode 9 Help, help, I'm being repressed. So I just wanted to uh, say a few words about this Guardian article that seems to have been causing some ripples through the uh, Anchorites. Um, No More Nerds, I think it was called. Probably should have looked that up. But um, Dave Aldridge of uh, Deeper Centile spoke about it. Mark Walring of the Yawning Owlbear, uh, Tim Schultz, Gothridge Manor, and uh, Larry Hamilton, uh, Follow Me and Die. Um, and I've got a feeling that somebody spoke about it uh, prior to that, but I can't remember who that is, so apologies to whoever that was, if that did indeed happen. The the popularity of D&D... D&D is now cool, apparently, and all that nonsense. Um, I say nonsense, but I mean, you know, media nonsense. I have to say, I'm probably with Dave on this one, um, in the sense that, you know, I'm not getting too worked up about it. It's just, you know, another one of these ill-informed media pieces. Although, from what I understand, the article's not a problem at all. It's more the title of it. Speaking about my own experience, obviously, you know, listening to Tim Shorts 
talk about his experience. And um, I really, I feel for you, Tim. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who could echo that sentiment. I mean, personally, speaking from my own experience, wasn't too extreme. I was kind of um, in the sort of early 80s. Most people involved in the hobby were kind of social pariahs, people who didn't really, um, somewhat outsiders. You know, I suppose I was a bit of a loner in a sense, wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't down with the cool kids, wasn't any good at sports. Um, I'm not saying this is true for everyone, but it seems to be something of a trope. And just kind of, you know, I became a librarian in secondary school, so I spent most of my time hanging around in the library while everybody else was outside kicking balls around and stuff. And I kind of got in with the, it was basically, it was the other librarians that um, played RPGs, and that's how I kind of got into it. Although possibly, I think we may have got into it prior to that, come together as sort of like minds, and then apply to be librarians, because it meant we could hang around together in the library, and uh, if not play RPGs, talk about them. Um, but yeah, I guess the the point I'm trying to make was that um, I wasn't I wouldn't say I was necessarily picked on uh, because of that. Probably uh, I did get a modicum of attention from some of the uh, you know more uh, bullying types, but um, I don't feel that I was singled out particularly, um, and certainly not because of RPGs. Um, it seemed to be more to do with the fact that I was a pretty quiet individual, you know, socially awkward, shy, and that probably got me more attention than anything else, if the, if that makes sense. And I think that was true for uh, the, you know, the guys that I played with to a, a large extent. And, uh, yeah, so if there was any kind of bullying done... I don't think it was directly related to playing RPGs at all. In fact, we kind of sort of kept that on the down low just because we were aware that, uh, you know, we didn't want any unwanted attention. You know, we didn't, uh, you know, weren't proud members of the RPG world. We weren't trying to promote our group and trying to, you know... Uh, talk people over to joining the hobby we were quite happy to for our you know little group to do what it was doing and you know we made our own fun and uh yeah what's kind of where am i going with this um also i uh, didn't really experience any of the satanic panic stuff um i don't know if things were slightly different in the um uk it was less of a thing um but um, I kind of I was raised in a pretty sort of secular household. Religion wasn't really discussed at home at all, you know. Only if I had any particular questions about it, my dad pretty much identified as an agnostic. I've got no idea what my mum believed, which seems odd when I think about it. Yeah, so I pretty much grew up. Um, 
you know, we'd sing hymns at school in assembly and when I was in the Cub Scouts I swore my allegiance to God and to the Queen and I just thought it was some, you know, old hangovers from the past as far as I, I was concerned, you know. I remember going out, I mean, as I said before, we used to play Merp, you know, uh, I think I had a session or two of Cthulhu in there as well, um, but yeah, we pretty much stuck to Merp, and uh, I remember I used to come back from playing, and uh, my mum always used to refer to it, Dungeons and Dragons, and that really irritated me you know it's not dungeons and dragons mum it's midlife role playing i suppose to an extent i associated uh D with the cartoon and uh you know that was for kids i was 12 years old for god's sake far too mature for any of that nonsense although despite saying that i actually enjoyed watching it and uh probably taped it I'm sure I had a couple of episodes on video. I don't know. Getting back to uh, what I was saying there and this sort of uh, reaction to the piece with an influx of new young people playing and I'm sure nobody is against new players coming along, you know. Um, although I do get that sense that, um, you know, we see people who are only interested in 5e um, as I think Arlen uh, was talking about on uh, Deeper Centile. Yeah, people only wanted to play 5e. Folks trying to make 5e more OSR. And I just wonder, well, why not just go out and pick up an OSR rule set? I mean, most of them are available completely free. But um, yeah, I guess that's just, you know, it's just a thought that crosses my mind. It's not exactly, doesn't keep me up at night or anything. But uh, the yeah, what's well, the other point I was thinking about the political element? You know, some of the people coming into the hobby, um, they're sort of bringing their politics into it, accusing like old grognards of being gatekeepers, because you know why is this hobby just full of crusty old white dudes? Well, maybe because back then. They were the only people interested in playing the game, you know. And I think there's a, also a trend in new games uh, that I think will see them date in a way that older games don't. The trend in new games having a tendency to incorporate current ideas concerning identity... It's something that I think we'll probably look back on in a couple of years with, um, you know, potentially seeing that as a bit naive. I don't know. Maybe naive's not the word. I'm not here to... I'm not trying to upset anyone here. But, yeah, the way it sort of leans towards current views of the world, whereas the older, you know, old school games from the late 70s, early 80s, um, that relied on more kind of classical archetypes are obviously not going to date in the same way. But then, I guess that brings to mind what Arlen 
and Dave were both talking about recently regarding regarding fiction and the uh, sort of uh, unpolitically correct, shall we say, attitudes, you know, the sexism and racism and how it's possible to, you know, go back and read that stuff and kind of remember where it comes from and be able to take what's good about them and still be able to absorb that. You know, maybe that might be the case with the games that are coming out these days in the, you know, in the future. People will almost certainly be able to look back at those games and uh, pick out what was great about them and ignore the more sort of uh, potentially problematic stuff that's very much of, of this time. Um, so I'm kind of undermining my whole point there, but then, you know, I don't really have an agenda. I'm just kind of thinking aloud. I could probably go more into the politics there, but I don't know whether I want to do that here. And you could probably, you know, join the dots yourself. What else was I going to say? Oh, yeah, Dave, um, talking about uh, critical role and, um, the you know, the whole kind of acting out... You know, the amateur dramatics of that, as opposed to the preference for a uh, narration, like a more literary approach. Um, you know, I do funny voices here, but I'm not sure that I would necessarily do them while I'm playing. You know, when I'm playing in these uh, play-by-post games, when I'm typing out responses, I've certainly got the character's voice in my head. Um, but um, whether I would actually act that out in game um i certainly don't think it's an integral part of play and as arlen pointed out i can see it not being appropriate in certain groups as, as well so you know it's uh, just a preference of play style i guess yeah so i think i've kind of uh, said my piece on that uh what next I realise I made a couple of references to Arlen there. I didn't give him a proper credit. That's uh, Arlen Walker, live from Pelham's Wasteland. So what I thought I would do here is set myself a little challenge. Um, the glug system has been brought to my attention by... Uh, Norbert G. Matausch, who uh, of the uh, Dark Worm Cult blog, and he's someone I've, I have been following for a while. I find um, a lot of what he gets excited about appeals to me in a lot of ways. He certainly leans towards simpler system mechanics. And he recently posted up, he's always banging on about Into the Odd, which is great. Um, but he recently played a game of Glog and he was very impressed by that. And um, on MeWe he's posted up his own sort of variation on the rules. Um, kind of cribbing stuff from different hacks of the rules. And uh, I thought, you know, and it, it's 
latest blog urges people to play it, so I thought I'd give it a whirl. Um, you know, have a bit of a solo bash. Also, I wanted to use um, something called Instant Game, which I picked up probably a couple of years ago. It's from 2007. Yeah, picked it up on uh, Drive Through RPG. Was it written by authors Animal Ball Partners? Doesn't really tell me anything. Uh, but essentially, it's a game that's basically a series of random tables. So, yes, get on the uh, random table wagon and give that a bit of a bash. So what I'm going to do here is come up with a setting where I intend to roll a... Yeah, I intend to roll up a random setting and uh, just use the rules to create a story to kick things off so what I'm going to do is uh, relocate because I tell you I can't get no respect so here we go now let's have a look at this instant setting the GM rolls on the instant tables to develop a setting. A typical set of rolls would be setting, one roll, tone, one roll, things, two rolls. So let's do that. Right, so a 12. Bizarro world. That seems a bit broad. Um, um, okay, right. So, well, that leaves that leaves things pretty open. Um, so, uh, oh, bizarre world. Well, let's put a Gonzonia question mark. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Right, but uh, okay, bizarre world. Tone. 93 swashbuckling well that's fun can't really go wrong there oops now things roll twice on the things table seventy nine steampunk Typical, <laughs> given what I was saying earlier. But, uh, well, maybe we can put the punk back into steampunk. And uh, so it says roll two on the things table. Steampunk doesn't sound like a thing, does it? Right, what's that, 58? Neutrality. Okay. Doesn't really mean much at the moment, but uh, you know, probably I don't know what that suggests. Um, maybe being some kind of conflict going on that you're in the middle of. Right. So it says you can also roll uh, like tech levels. 
and roll twice on the tech level to well, let's yeah let's just do that roll twice on the tech level we got 53 low magic right nice I like low magic and 71 printing press that's uh, interesting printing press hmm well that could go with the steampunk and uh, the neutrality as well In immediately thinking of uh, journalism um, Propaganda. We could be, uh, yeah, churning out propaganda for both sides. Maybe perpetuating a conflict for your own ends, possibly. That bit twisted. <laughs> All in good fun. Right, instant story. The GM rolls on the instant tables to develop a plot. A typical set of rolls would be opposition, one roll, action plus thing, action plus other thing. Adding a descriptor adding descriptor rolls to things is very helpful but not required. Right, okay, let's see what we come up with here. Right, opposition. 82. The system. Well, opposing the system. Well, there's your punk. Ah, that's, uh, that's promising. Right, so you're opposing the system. Steampunk neutrality, a printing press. Um, yeah, that sounds uh, it's kind of I've got something forming in my head, right? Action plus things, right? So, action seven, brainwash, interesting. Well, that goes hand in hand with a propaganda brainwash. Now, now I'm thinking uh, Clockwork Orange. Ooh, now that is twisted. Um, things, fifty-one monkeys, brainwashed monkeys. <laughs> hey, well. Yeah, no, so now I'm thinking of Planet of the Apes. Now, don't phone in. I know monkeys aren't apes. Um, but uh, brainwashed monkeys. Hmm. Interesting. Now, uh, action. another action roll. 32 disguise 
Hmm, interesting. And the other thing is a 57 mob. Right, so um, disguised mob. Um, I don't know. I'm getting, I'm getting a kind of maybe smuggling kind of a, um, oh, what do you call it when you it's kind of deprogramming brainwashed monkeys um, and uh, smuggling them out in disguised I dis smuggling out a mob of disguised monkeys where the mob could be well you know mafia mob or it could just be a uh, a, a gang of monkeys that you have to uh, well maybe 12 monkeys uh, that you have to smuggle out of a out of um, a publishing organisation who are yeah brainwashed monkeys uh, trained to operate the printing presses uh, um, so that um they aren't aware so so nobody actually sees the nature of what's being printed i suppose much um, looking thinking of them like the oompa loompas kind of ruling out the opportunity for things to leak out of your organization so uh yeah that's kind of i don't know that's suggesting uh something very strange indeed and uh I'm going to go off and let that ferment and uh, see what I come up with. So, stay tuned. Well, that's quite enough from me, I think. I really do appreciate your messages. If you want to get in touch, you can ask me absolutely anything. Whether I'll answer it or not is another thing entirely. But um, if you're not aware, there's a link in the description which will allow you to leave me a message on Anchor. You can always contact me by email if you prefer. Spencer.freeforall at gmail.com Look forward to hearing from you.